Thank you, Diane. All right. All right. So it's an exciting week coming up. We are going to turn off the reverb. Thank you. Uh, could you please turn off the reverb? Thank you. Sorry. All right. Test, test. All right. We're good. Uh, it's an exciting week. Uh, this week we have the Clyde Revival right here. So uh, if you guys didn't know, now you know. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night, 7 to 10 p.m., we're going to be gathered here. And uh, I would encourage you, if you, if you are able to come early, because uh, uh, we, we're not sure exactly how many people are going to be coming, but uh, we did order another 140 chairs. Um, so it's going to be, it could be potentially quite packed in here. And so I just want to encourage you guys to come early so you can get a good seat. Uh, Pastor Dell is going to be preaching, ministering, no hose barred. If you've ever seen him minister, I mean, he is the real deal. He does not hold back. Uh, he could even be a little bit offensive. Uh, but this man, he is flowing in the anointing of God, and he has a really strong prophetic gift as well. And so uh, I believe that he's just going to release some key words over uh, the people who come out. Uh, Friday night, this is a little secret I'm going to let you in on. Uh, Friday night, Pastor Benjamin is going to be preaching on Friday. All right, so don't tell anyone that. All right, I don't want people to come out just for the speaker, but right now he's going to be ministering. And so uh, Pastor Benjamin is uh, my new spiritual mentor, and uh, he's going to be flying in this Tuesday morning, and we're going to spend, uh, be spending a lot of time together. Uh, but he also consented to minister at the revival since uh, his trip overlapped with the revival. So also we have a uh, rapper, Mickey Cho. He's going to be coming and ministering. I heard he's a very powerful uh, rapper, and he's got a powerful testimony as well. And um, so we're just really excited about the Cloud Revival that's coming up this week. Amen? All right. Today I'm going to speak about a message that uh, probably a lot of pastors don't get to speak on. And it is on the topic and subject of sleep. How many of y'all in here got at least four hours of sleep last night? You got four hours of sleep. You got at least five hours of sleep. Keep your hand up. You got at least six hours of sleep. You got at least seven. You got at least eight. Wow. Okay. That's why we have church at 4 p.m. here. All right. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Uh, scientists have actually been studying sleep for many, many years, and they're trying to answer the question, why does the human body need sleep? And Napoleon was known for getting by on only four hours each night. Uh, Thomas Edison was known for saying that he thought sleep was a waste of time. And scientists say that we spend one-third of our lives sleeping. It's a good chunk of time. Okay. So, why do we sleep? And uh, scientists have all these different theories of why we sleep. And contrary to popular belief, uh, it has nothing to do with us recharging our energy. The amount of energy that you store up for sleeping eight hours is the equivalent of 50 kilocalories, which is about the same as a slice of bread. All right, so you don't really store up that much energy by sleeping. You do get rest, which is very important and good. 
but why is it that our bodies demand sleep every day? I mean, if there are people, you all in here, you're sitting there, and you're, if some of you in here are thinking, I think sleep is a waste of time, and I want to do it less. Would you thinking that change your body's demand for sleep? Is there anyone in here, if you started thinking, I'm going to just sleep every other day? Like, would you be able to do that? You might be able to do that a few days, but would you be able to do that regularly? All right, the answer is no. Like, you cannot change your body's demand for sleep. Why? Why? And I have one simple reason. It's because God created sleep. God created sleep. God fashioned your body. He also fashioned the body of a lot of animals to require sleep. Some animals, they sleep for a really, really long time. Like the groundhogs and the polar bears. And some people are like polar bears. And they sleep a long time. But uh, <clears throat> God, I believe God created sleep and it is, is permanently built into our bodies. And I believe one reason why God put sleep into our bodies is to tell the entire world every single day... I am God and you are not. Just think about it. Regardless, atheist, Buddhist, or Christian, every single day, people all over the world, they all go to sleep. The Bible says in Psalm 21 verse 4, God never sleeps. Have you ever thought about that? God never sleeps. But for us, that is an aspect of God that we do not have uh, reflected. In, uh, when God created us in His image, that's an aspect that He didn't build into us. He didn't build it into us. He requires our body to sleep. Now, why is sleep important? Now, physiologically, to answer that question, it's, it's helpful to look at what happens to our bodies when we don't sleep. Um, when you don't get sleep, people tend to get grumpy people get groggy people get more easily irritable uh, forgetfulness starts to abound our attention span begins to shorten uh, scientists said that going 17 hours without sleep can be the equivalent of two glasses of wine in fact sleep deprivation so impairs your motor skills that every day in America, uh, people die because of truck accidents where truck drivers, are don't, they don't get adequate sleep. In fact, the Exxon Valdez oil spill, the, um, what is it, the Challenger space shuttle explosion, uh, all these things have actually, uh, people, experts have said that sleep deprivation contributed to these accidents. Um, sleep deprivation also affects our emotional health. Uh, it's been linked to stress, high blood pressure, even obesity. And right now, the current world record for the longest period a person has gone without sleep, that is held by a guy named Randy Gartner in 1965. He went 11 days without sleep. Now, I would imagine someone could go longer than that. But that's how vicious of a demand sleep has on our body. I mean, even 11 days, this guy was hallucinating. He was doing all kinds of things and eventually he just went to sleep 
Now, uh, if you've ever taken a psychology class, you will know about these next stages of sleep. Let's look at the four stages of sleep. You might have studied this in college. There is stage one. It's called light sleep. During the first stage of sleep, we are half awake, half asleep. Our muscle activity begins to slow down, but there is slight twitching that can occur. Right? You ever like have a dream that you're falling in the first stage of sleep? You like, wake up and you're like, why? why did I do that? And um, this, at stage one, you can be easily awakened. Then there's stage two. After about 10 minutes, most people go into stage two, which is called true sleep. This lasts for about 20 min minutes. And during stage two, the breathing pattern and heart rate begin to slow down. And this accounts for the largest period of sleep that most people experience at night. And then there's stage three, which is called deep sleep, which lasts for about 10 minutes. During stage three, the brain begins to produce delta waves, a type of wave that is large, high amplitude, and slow, low frequency. And the breathing and our heart rate begins to really drop down to lowest levels. And this is where our body really begins to get rest and recuperate. And then there's stage four for all the psychology experts. You guys remember stage four? Famous rock band. All right, REM sleep. The stage four is called REM sleep. And this is uh, characterized by rhythmic breathing, limited muscle activity. And if we are awakened during the sleep cycle in stage four, we often will wake up and be, be very disoriented and be very groggy. And it'll take us a few moments in order to recover. Uh, this is a stage in which you don't want to wake that person up because they're really having a great time. Stage four is where um, REM, the phenomena of rapid eye movement, begins to occur. Uh, <coughs> scientists have studied that although we are not conscious, the brain is very active, even more active than when we are awake during stage four sleep. We start to dream dreams and our eyes start to go all over the place with our eyes closed. And that's where we get the, the uh, label rapid eye movement. Uh, it begins about 70 to 90 minutes after we fall asleep. And we tend to have about three to five REM episodes a night. Uh, one cool thing about this is, uh, although our, we are dreaming, our, during stage four, often our bodies are paralyzed. And scientists think that this is Mother Nature's way of keeping our bodies safe so that we don't act out our dreams. You know, but I think this is not Mother Nature's doing. I think this is God's way of preventing us from getting hurt, right? Because uh, we have all kinds of dreams. So these are the four stages of sleep. Now, why is sleep so important? Why is sleep so important? Uh, I believe that sleep is important. Uh, the duh answer will be it gives us much needed rest. Uh, one interesting thing to note is if you go without sleep for many, many days, if you do all-nighters, for like three, four days straight. You know, back in college, uh, or after I graduated from college, I used to be part of Campus Crusade for Christ. And as a staff member for Campus Crusade, we would have an annual conference called Vision Conference. And at the Vision Conference, I had the privilege of leading the media team. And what, one of the things that the media team did, we were called Delta Force. Brian was a part of that media team. Uh, one of the things that the Delta, Delta Force did was our media team will make and produce videos from the conference to show at the conference. 
Meaning we would send our reporters to re- and, and they would interview people, get it on video, see people worshiping, get it on video. And then we would spend from midnight to 6 a.m. editing and producing the video to show at the 9 a.m. service. And we would do this for four days straight. Right? And so I did this for about four to five years in a row where I went four to five days without sleep. And my theory is when I was about 20... 324 I looked really young I look I look a little old I admit but I was I still look pretty young people would be like you you're like 25 right I'm like no I'm 23 <laughs> you know like that was about it but after I did these vision conferences where I stayed awake for like th- four nights straight like three nights straight I started getting comments like are you like 31 are you like 32 and I realized that it did a number on my body without me realizing it. You know, when you, when you do these all-nighters, it does a number on your body. You, you age faster. Right? And so I don't recommend it anymore. Uh, and I try to avoid it when I can. And one thing to know, I had a friend, and she would do all these all-nighters because she was like really like a workaholic. And she had a lot of anxiety about the work she did. And she wanted to do it excellent, but she... Uh, would also be kind of a workaholic about it. And so she did a lot of all-nighters. And one thing that a lot of people who have all-nighters and they do it all the time, they have in common is they have back problems. That's because gravity every day is pulling down on your spine. And there's, you know, there's these tissues between your spine cords that kind of pad it. It's like padding. And but if when you go without sleep and you don't give your body chance to kind of I don't know, re-expand that padding, gravity continues to take its effect onto your back, and eventually it starts to pinch your nerves and you have back problems. All right. So sleep is very very important for our physical body to get much needed rest. But if you look here in Psalm 127, sleep. It's, it's showing us that sleep is even more deeper than that. Look at Psalm 127, verse 1 and 2. Let's read verse 1 as well. It says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise early and that you go, to, go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep how many of you in here you are God's beloved I am God's beloved well if you are God's beloved one thing God wants to grant you he wants to give you a gift every single day and that gift is good sleep now um, some people that are very driven tend to think that sleep is a curse sleeping is a curse like man i wish we didn't have to sleep and you know and and i'm i'm a choleric and my personality type is very gold oriented goal driven and then all my life i really did not like sleeping so i would try to do as little of it as possible and in fact i found out over the last two years because from freshman year at nyu until two years ago I seriously thought I had narcolepsy, and I did. Like literally, I would sit through college classes, and I, I am not exaggerating when I say this. 
all but maybe three classes throughout my years at NYU, all but three classes, I slept through the classes. I didn't sleep through the entire class, but I would sleep in class. And, and it would be like the most engaging subject, and I would be all interested, and, and, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and I'll be up, and I'll be drooling. My, my, my classmates will elbow me. My professors will get hurt and offended. They will confront me, you know. And, and, I, and I, in the beginning, I would just say, oh, I'm, I'm really sorry. I won't do it again, but I will do it again. So I needed to like explain that may, maybe this is like a physical condition. So I researched and I, I heard about narcolepsy. Actually, I didn't do any research. I watched a movie called Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. <laughs> and in the movie, there was a girl, she had narcolepsy. <laughs> and he would be at a restaurant with her and she would just fall asleep and her face would go into the, into the food. Anyway, um, I heard about narcolepsy and I, and I started to realize maybe I have narcolepsy. Maybe I have narcolepsy. And the thing is, for this past year, that pattern has almost completely stopped in my life. And I thought it was the power of prayer. But I'm starting to realize it's because, number one, it's because of marriage. And also, number two, it's because of good sleep. Because I have, for most of my life, said, you know what? Sleep is useless. Why do I need to sleep? I will try to do as little of it as possible and it severely affected and limited my waking hours. I, I really regret that I live that way. You know, because, you know, and as Christians, a lot of us, we want to do the will of God. We want to do the will of God. And we want to be at, at, at the work of God's will. But we have to also recognize that when we sleep, I mean, it is like a form of worship unto God. Because, you know, when you sleep, you release, uh, there's different ways you can go to sleep. You know, and for most of my life, I went to sleep when I had to. And my body's like, you got to go to sleep now. And I'm like, oh man, I just got to go. And you know what? In a way, I like that. I like that experience. I don't like the experience of like, where like I'm at 11.30 p.m. getting into bed and I'm still awake. And I have to stay there for a few minutes and then fall asleep. I don't like that. I like just like, oh man, I'm so tired. <laughs> it's like 3 a.m. I go into bed. <laughs> I wake up. Oh, next day. All right, let's get, get back to business. You know, I like that experience. And um, I had to change my ways. And as I changed my ways, I realized I don't really have narcolepsy. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> I, just, I just had a sleep problem. I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't know when... When I, I needed to sleep, I didn't really know how to worship God through going, getting proper sleep. Um, <clears throat> sleep is not a curse, brothers and sisters. Sleep is a blessing. In fact, good sleep, not just sleep, but good sleep, it is a gift from God. And the Word of God says He gives to His beloved. He gives them. He gives them a gift. He gives to them sleep. But in order for you to receive that gift, you got to put your work down. You got to shut down the computer. You have to put away your books or TV. And you got to just say, Lord, it's been a long day. I have a lot more work to do. But you know what, Lord? You are God. 
and I am not. You are in control. You are managing my life. You are the Lord of my life. You're doing a pretty good job. You're managing my life and, the, and you're also managing this entire universe. You're doing a really good job, Lord. And you know what? I just trust you. I don't have to take care of it, everything. I don't, have to, I don't have to stay up trying to take care of it. I can just go to sleep right now and know that you are still in control when I wake up. You know, it's, it takes an act of faith, if you see it that way, for you to discipline yourself and go to sleep regularly. Now, there are times where, it calls, where God calls us to go without sleep. If you are Apostle Paul and you are trying to spread the gospel and you just got whipped all over your back 39 times and you're bleeding and it's very hard for you to go to sleep because the shackles on your, on your ankles and, and your wrists are just too tight, all right, then you might go without sleep. And there are times, um, that's like the most extreme case I can think of, right? And there are times where God calls us to be, go without sleep. But the norm is we need to learn how to trust God. They're getting good sleep each day. Now, there are some people in here, you have no problem with this. You're like, I knew that. <laughs> I've been trying to spread that message for years. And then there are other people in here, and you're resisting this message. You're like, no, I got to do more. Now, if I just do a little bit, if I just stay up a couple more hours more, I'm helping God out. You know? And I want to tell you, God can accomplish far more in one night of you sleeping than in all of your waking hours put together. And so, at, 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 I'm not promoting laziness. I'm promoting, <clears throat> I, I'm promoting diligence. After a hard days of, you know, work and you put in your diligence, your punctuality, you know, after you've done it all, just let it go and go to sleep. It's all right. It ain't going to all fall apart. Just let it go and go to sleep. And if you know what, you, you are at a workplace and people pressure you to work that way so that you lose sleep over and over and that's like the norm, you, you, may, you may want to reconsider even finding another job because that's not a healthy place for you to be in. It will affect not only your physiologically, it will not just affect you physiologically, it will affect your relationships. It can affect your relationship with God. It could affect your prayer life. Man, you know how much my prayer life has suffered since college, freshman year in college? You know how much my prayer life has suffered? Man, I would, I would have these like times set apart, like two hours set apart for prayer. And many other times, I was not awake for those two hours. Anyway, man, I didn't preach this at Hillside, but it's coming to me now. You know, people pay thousands of dollars for sleeping pills for sleep treatments in order to get good sleep. I mean, good sleep is coveted all over the world. And especially the top leaders, they, they recognize how important good sleep is. And if the president of the United States, if the president of Russia, if president of even North Korea recognized, if Michael Jackson recognizes, remember Michael Jackson, he was crazy about getting good sleep. Anyway, if all these w top leaders recognize how important good sleep is, as God's people, we should all recognize how important good sleep is. Now, the Word of God says here, we need to stop eating the bread of anxious toil. When you rise up early, go to bed late, rise up early, go to bed late in order for you to do what you got to do. God is, God is not looking at you and saying, oh, what a hard worker. 
my, my man Matthew Anderson, so diligent. God is not saying that. God is like, hey, Matthew, ease up down there. All right, remember, I'm in charge. I'm in charge. I'm in charge. Go to sleep. <laughs> and, you know, Matthew, every day, no matter how hard he tries, he's got to go to sleep. Right? And, and, uh, and God doesn't want us to eat the bread of anxious toil. He wants us to enjoy the good gift of sleep each day with Thanksgiving. So that we can begin each new day with fresh energy, new mercies. Fresh revelation. You know what I mean? Now, uh, I think there's a couple other reasons, practical reasons why sleep is important. One of them is God speaks to us while we're sleeping. You know, when we pray for people up here, sometimes we get a prophetic word and we try to prophesy and speak life over people when we pray for them. You know? And you get revelation that way in your waking hours. But, you know, God also can speak to His people while they are sleeping. And a lot of times, He speaks through dreams. In Genesis chapter 15, God spoke to Abraham in a dream. In Genesis chapter 28, God spoke to Jacob in a dream. Right? And it's just amazing. When God speaks to you in a dream, it's like being in a movie theater. You cannot see anything else Except and and the and the speakers are audio is nice and loud and that's all you can pay attention to. God's got your undivided attention when He speaks to you in a dream, right? And so it's a very effective means for God to speak to you. And the thing is, when you're dreaming, uh, your kind of raw reactions are not all there, you know. And so God can put in like a maybe a difficult revelation or a key revelation. And maybe not even reveal it to you fully, but just kind of put it to you in seed form. He can do it through a dream. But if he came to you today and he's like, Zach, something to do with turkey in five years, you know? And Zach would be like, oh man, turkey, all right, I got to get ready for turkey. And you know, he, might, he might get a little anxious and, and start to, you know, but if God says, turkey, while Zach is dreaming, you know, and then he looks up and then it's, it's a Mexican restaurant and it says, Cinco. And he's like, okay. And there's like a newspaper and it says something about Turkey. I don't know. Like, you know, like God can use like a dream like that in like a symbolic form to hide a message about Zach's future and calling. You know, and he'll confirm it through different prophecies along the way. God speaks to men through dreams. Job 33, four, verse 14 and 15 says, God speaks in one way and in two. Though man does not perceive it, in a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on men while they slumber on their beds. God speaks to us through dreams. Do not think that it's just a Bible thing. It is a God thing. It's not just something God decided to do for over thousands of years until Christ came and then He stopped doing it. God continues to speak to us through dreams. And <clears throat> here's the thing why the, the body of Christ is spooked out by uh, dreams, interpreting dreams, is because the occultic practitioners, you know, they have dream interpretation books. And so when evangelical Christians see these dream interpretation books by witchcraft practitioners, they say, oh, all dream interpretation must be demonic. Okay. But I'll tell you right now, what is published in the occultic realm is a counterfeit of the true thing that God offers His people. 
All right. And so there, uh, when I was a college student, my mentor, Brother Michael, he would get prophecies and would say, Brother Christian, God is going to give you dreams. He's going to speak to you through dreams. You need to wake up. Do you have a dream log? I'd be like, no. Keep a dream log, young man. Keep a dream log. And start to write down the details of your dreams and ask God for the interpretation. And then he, he slipped in a book. He said, read a book. Go get a book by Ira Milligan called Interpreting Your Dreams. And I got that prophecy when I was in college, like 2000, 99, 2000, around there. I didn't pick up that book until like seven years later when I came to New Philly. And then when I came here, I started reading that book. And I started to um, kind of learn uh, key skills in how to properly interpret a dream from God. Because, you know, you can't just like just try to interpret it. I mean, there are, there's wisdom that you need to surround dream interpretation with. Right? And then you need to understand that symbols, how to interpret symbols. How one person can get the same symbol, but it could mean completely something totally different. Because God knows which symbols are meaningful to us. You know? and, so, um, and so I picked up that book and man, God just started to speak to me over and over. And the reason I came to Korea in 2005 was because of prophetic dreams that God gave me. Right? And so I got this dream... At the end of 2004, and in this dream, this girl came up to me and she gave me two checks. One check was for $2,000, one check was for $200. And it was very clear. And I woke up and I, I wrote down the dream. I said, Lord, what does this mean? And for six months, I wrestled with that dream to know what that dream meant. And around the fourth month, there was an opportunity for me to work with Campus Crusade here in Korea. And so I, I kind of brought that dream before the Lord. And, uh, and then when the Campus Crusade president told me about the opportunity, the opportunity required me to be in Korea for exactly two years. So I remember the dream. And then I looked up the dream journal, uh, the dream uh, interpretation book, and it said that uh, the number of thousands often represents recompense, like full payment for something. And the number of hundreds can sometimes represent maturity. So I interpreted it to mean that uh, over the two years that I have in Korea, that God will fully pay off my enormous credit card debt that I had at that time, which is in the five figures. I mean, I had a big credit card debt. I went to NYU, and I'll tell you right now, sometimes I couldn't pay for tuition, so I just picked out my American Express. And I just put it on the American Express. Anyway, don't, do it. don't ever do that, college students. I know. Don't ever do that. And, um, and that's what I meant. And I thought over two years, God would fully help me to pay off my debt and also bring me to a greater maturity. And so uh, when I started to take that interpretation before the Lord, he started to confirm it through different ministers that he would send my way. They would prophesy over me. And then they would just, you know, just, just say like, you know, are you going somewhere? Are you, are you thinking about moving or something? I'd be like, yeah, yeah. And then uh, I, finally the last sign that God gave me was I gave a presentation at my local church. And my local church back in New Jersey is a traditional Presbyterian church full of uh, people that are really, really old, really, really old Caucasian um, couples. And they're just like in their 80s, 70s and 80s. And, uh, and then there's a few Korean Americans that are in their like 40s. And I'm like one of the youngest ones there. And I would lead worship and then they will always turn down my mic. And <clears throat> anyway, I was serving at that church. It was like very like a Holy Spirit was always just a concept. You know, he's like the, the uncle you don't talk about. You know, everyone knew about him, but you didn't want to, you know, go meet him or anything. And um, 
I was at that church, but I gave this presentation about me uh, moving to Korea. And that I, that's what I wanted to do, and that I felt like that's what God's calling me to do. After I give this presentation, it's a church of like maybe like 25 people, right? 25, 30 people. The treasurer comes up to me and says, you know, Christian, somebody wrote you a check. So I'm like, oh, praise the Lord. And when I usually get a check, uh, uh, people support me for like $100. And if they're really generous, they'll give me like $500, you know, which is like really big, generous support. If you gave anybody here in here today, you gave Pastor Marcus today a $500 check, that's a lot of money for you, right? And so I'm thinking if it's like big, it's $100, $200. Well, how much is it? Right? The treasurer says, I always forget, is it eight or nine? All right, I got to check my journal. But he's like, it's $8,000. I'm like, what? Did you check the zeros? He's like, no, it's, it's written on the check. $8,000. I'm like, who is it? I said, the person doesn't want you to know. So I had to rewrite the check. So who should I make it out to? Make it, make it out to KCC. And that check was a sign unto me. I mean, think about, think about that. Think about that. That sign to me was a confirmation for me to come to Korea. And look, look at all this. Look at all this. Look at this church. Look at this. Oh, none of this would have been possible if I didn't respond to how God was leading me. If God didn't give me those little small signs and confirmations. And if he didn't give me prophetic dreams to even inspire me thinking that way. You know, some certain things that God has for you are just so big or so beyond you or so creative. You know, like for some of you sitting in here, you living in Korea. If somebody told you you would be living in Korea two years ago, you would have been like, where? Because some of you came to Korea, you didn't even know one single Korean person. You never eaten one piece of kimchi. But God brought you here. And sometimes the way he gets us there, right, he just plants like a, like a seed of revelation through a dream. When you, where you got nowhere else to go. Now, the thing is with, with, with sleep and dreams is, not only can God's spirit give you revelation, demonic spirits can also attack you in dreams. So we need to understand that not all dreams are from God. Some dreams got nothing to do with nothing. Some dreams are from God. Some dreams can also be from the devil. Right? And so we got to be careful. Uh, it's like the movie Inception. There are these demonic agents. And they, they wait until you go into the sleep mode. And then, boom, they start traveling into your dream. And then they get in there and they try to plant seeds of deception. False hope. Doubt. Bitterness. You know, I was sharing this at Hillside. Some church members at Hillside, you know what they do to me? They just love me one week, you know, during the offering time. They hug me. I love you, Pastor Christian. You're the best. And then the very next week, I'll be like, hey, how you doing, Sister Jane? And then uh, Sister Jane's like, Psh. I'm like, huh? What? Did I do something? Did I say something wrong? Did I offend people? Which is usually what I do do. <laughs> what happened? Right? And then later I ended up talking to Jane and Jane's like, you won't believe I had this dream and in the dream I said hi to you and you straight dissed me. And I'm like, okay. But you know, that, that, that was a dream. That wasn't me. Right? But the person had to confess that even though it was a dream, it gave her or him, him or her, feelings of bitterness. Right? And that's like Satan planting that seed in there in order to cause a wedge between relationships. We need to be careful. 
uh, in European culture, there's a term for demon spirits that attack us through uh, immoral or violent, like kind of sexual attacks in our dreams. They're called incubus and succubus spirits. Right? It's not just the name of a rock band, right? And these spirits are known to like attack you while you are dreaming. And it, it, it has often a kind of a sexual, immoral, immoral or a violent kind of dream. And when these things ever, if these things ever happen to you, people of God, right, saints, we need to wake up and we need to pray a prayer cleansing over ourselves. We can't let that become a pattern in our lives. And when we, if, when we wake up, if you know that in the dream, you knew it was wrong, but you still did it. Because, you know, in the dream, you have a will. You can eat the chocolate cake. Or you can drink a cup of water. But you eat the chocolate cake. Like, you know, something like that. I don't know. It's a bad example. Right? And if you have willingly kind of sinned even in your dreams, you know, this is not that ridiculous. You wake up, you confess your sin to the Lord. You know, why, why let anything drive a wedge between your relationship with you and God? You know? Stay pure. Keep a pure heart. That means your thought life, but even your dream life. Keep it pure and consecrated. Right? The Word of God says, bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Well, how about this? Bring every dream captive to the obedience of Christ as well. Hallelujah. Uh, God speaks to us in dreams. And um, another reason uh, sleep is very important is because it restrains evil. You know, uh, sleep restrains more evil than all the laws and policemen put together in the world. Because every day, right, for every righteous person that has to go to sleep, there are thousands of wicked people that also have to put away their evil ways and they go to bed. Right? And so it restrains evil. Like in the days of Noah, people didn't live to 100 years old. They used, they used to live to 1,000 years old. And you'd be like, well, scientifically, that doesn't make any sense. Well, scientifically, back then, all it, all it takes, scientists have found that all it takes is, there's like a, I don't know if it's a, um, a hormone that gets released in your brain. And if you could stop that, you can stop aging. But the scientists have no way to like stop. I don't know if it's a hormone or something, an enzyme or something like that, all right, in your brain. Something gets released in your brain, and as that get, continues to get released, you, you age. Well, you know, imagine this. When you have your glorified bodies, you will not age. Someone say amen. amen. You will not age. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, we dread aging for a reason, because, you know, it wasn't part of the original plan. We're supposed to have everlasting life. I mean, well, how terrible would it be if the hope of heaven, right, if, when we get our glorified bodies, is we age until age 80 and then we age no more. That would be terrible. Huh? <laughs> the hope of our glorified bodies means that, you know, we, we, we are at a good age, like, I don't know, that's a good age, like 24 or something. And we just stay at 24. Y'all, who's 24 in here? You're at the prime age of your life. Um, but yeah, back in Noah's day, people used to live to a thousand. What would happen was interesting is when everybody lived to a thousand, especially back then when they didn't have uh, they didn't have Christ, they didn't have the Holy Spirit indwelling them yet, you know. Uh, and people, a lot of people were not just in covenant relationship with God back then. So 
they were doing a lot of evil. And when you do evil, and you have a thousand years of developing that evil and getting more and more evil, I mean, it gets really, really bad. And so God saw the earth, and he's like, man, these people, they are evil. I let them live to a thousand, and they're getting out of hand. You know what? Man, 120. Right? And he kind of like, he shortened it. It says in the Word of God. And, and you kind of see, generally, most people cannot live past 120. And in that same way, as God kind of restrained our years in order to restrain evil, He also causes men to sleep each day. And it really keeps the world from going into anarchy and, and immorality. God is a good God. Now, um, <clears throat> to keep a balanced view, as much as I'm preaching about sleep today, Scripture teaches us in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 13, Proverbs 20, verse 13. Scripture teaches us, Do not love sleep. Everyone say that. Do not love sleep. It says, Love not sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you will have plenty of bread. Okay. As much as we are to honor and worship God and express our trust and faith in Him each day through getting proper sleep, we are also called not to love it. If you start to love sleep too much, the Bible says you will wake up in bed with poverty. Actually, you won't even wake up in bed. You'll wake up with newspapers in poverty. Actually, no. If you really believe the promise that's in God's word that I've never seen God's seed begging for bread, if you really hold to that promise, I don't think you'll ever, ever find yourself in that position if you hold to that promise. But anyway, that's beside the point. Um, the Word of God says, do not love sleep. In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus told his disciples, he's right before he gets crucified, he's like, can you just stay up? Just stay up a little bit. I'm feeling lonely right now. I told you I'm going to get crucified, but you guys don't really believe me, do you? Look, man, I just need some of your love and support. Right? He goes away, comes back. They're all sleeping. And Jesus rebukes him. He says, could you not watch with me for one hour? He came to his disciples and found them sleeping. Let's worship God through sleep. But let's also worship God by going without sleep when there are proper times to go without sleep. And you know, and, and Jesus at this hour, he really needed his disciples' his support and love. And all they did was they just, they just went to sleep. Um, now, I'm going to close the service, I mean close the message with a simple three-point tips on how to get better sleep. How do we get better sleep? And I believe the key to better sleep is in the word peace. Word of God says Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So if we are disciples of the Prince of Peace, then we should carry some peace. We should be walking in peace. Amen? We should be a people of peace. If we're making everybody uncomfortable, there's something wrong. That's not peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. Not the... Blessed are... Uh, okay, I'll stop there. I'm sorry. Peace is the key word for sleep, good sleep. Um, Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Psalm 4 verse 8 says, In peace I will lie down and sleep. In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone make me dwell in safety. There are three aspects 
of having peace. And that's, number one, you've got to have peace with God. If you want good rest day in and day out, you've got to learn how to rightly relate to the Lord each and every day. If you have unconfessed sin in your heart, if you are living in sin and you, are, you have secret sins that you're trying to hide from the Lord, you're going to have a hard time getting good rest. The Bible says in Romans 5 verse 1, we have been justified through faith and we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, God sent his son Jesus to the cross to die in order for us to have peace with God. Now, why will we begin to neglect that peace that was so preciously purchased for us? Right? Jesus died so we can have peace with God. Don't easily forfeit that peace by having unconfessed sin in your heart. By having uh, an attitude of just independence away, away from God. You know? Uh, peace with God is one of the big keys. Um, and, and another way to put this is having a clear conscience. You know, uh, I, I talked about this at Hillside, how in Saving Private Ryan, there's a sniper dude, the Christian sniper dude that knows all the Bible verses, right? You know, Lord, uh, let, my, let not my enemies triumph over me. And, you know, he's killing all these Nazis and, and we think he's so cool and stuff. And there's one scene in the movie and they're at a church and they're on their way to look for Private Ryan. And all the soldiers are saying, man... We just lost Caparzo today, who was Vin Diesel. He gets shot. Oh, snap. I kind of spoiled the movie for y'all. But since I did already, let me just tell you what happened. In the first scene, they go to a town, and Caparzo, played by Vin Diesel, right? He's, he's trying to save this kid, and he's just playing with the kid, and they get shot. Anyway, I'd say they, they lose one of their comrades, and they're at the church, and they're talking about how this whole mission is foobar, and, and how this whole thing is just like, you know, just to save this one dude that we don't even know. You know, what kind of... What kind of mission is this, right? And then they look over and they see the Christian guy and he's just sleeping. And there's bombs going around off and around the church and you know, they just feel no safe. And this Christian guy, he's just sleeping. And then the, 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 I think one of the Jewish guys, he says, how does that guy sleep like that? Everywhere we go, he just sleeps. And another guy comments and says, he, he's sleeping, he says something like, he's sleeping on the pillow of a clear conscience. I'm telling you, it, it's true. If you have a clear conscience, you can sleep anytime, anywhere, any place. You will have good rest. Your spirit, your heart is clean before the Lord, your God, your creator. Right, you will have no problem getting good rest. That's number one. Second, you've got to have peace with others. You're going to have peace with God, but if you, are, you don't have peace with your spouse, or you don't have peace with your best friend, right? Jesus says in Mark 9.50, be at peace with each other. 1 Thessalonians 5.13 Live in peace with each other. If we got anger, bitterness, resentment, envy, jealousy, strife with, with one another, we're going to have a hard time getting good sleep. Alright? So the best thing to do, I mean, even Jesus teaches us, even if you want to come and bring an offering, you want to worship the Lord, leave your gift, if you got something against your brother, and, or if you got something against you, and go get reconciled with your brother and then come and offer your gift. Right? That's like that's like almost same as like, you know, before you go to bed at night, you know, don't go to bed unless you reconcile with your fellow man. And sometimes you gotta go to bed and do it the next day, because you know they're not picking up. Alright. But make every effort, you know, not to not to let 
anger. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, the Bible says, and give the devil a foothold. You know? We need to live in peace with each other. And, and as we live in peace with each other, that's the key to getting good sleep. And third and last, be at peace with your own soul. Be at peace with your own soul. And you know, some of you might be wondering, how does anyone not have peace with their own soul? Well, I'll tell you how. Foolishness. If you live a foolish life full of folly, if you're living foolishly, you're not going to have any peace with your soul. You will have no peace with your own soul. Uh, the Word of God says, A heart that is at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Like, a heart that is at peace gives life to the body. If you, if you, if you want to know the key to having perfect health, peace. Right? When you have good peace, and the Bible says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. What a vivid image of what envy, bitterness, anger can do to the physical body if you keep it contained in your heart. Right? And so, so, in order to have peace with your own soul, it's very important that you walk in wisdom and in understanding. Okay? And so the Word of God says, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3, and I'll close with this. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 17 It says Her ways are ways of pleasantness And all her paths are peace Proverbs chapter 3 verse 17 Who is her here? Okay. If you fast forward to verse 13 It says Blessed is the one who finds wisdom And the one who gets understanding All throughout this chapter they are turning wisdom and understanding into uh, a female and just referring to wisdom and understanding as a she. Okay? Just to clarify that. There ain't some character here that you're missing. This is talking about wisdom and understanding. And says, her ways, wisdom's ways are ways of pleasantness. All her paths are at our peace. Right? And then look at verse 21 through 24. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. They will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Everyone say, I want sweet sleep. I want sweet sleep. Key for you to get sweet sleep day in, day out is to walk in wisdom and in understanding. It is only when you walk in wisdom and understanding that your soul will be at peace. But whenever you do foolish things, or when you, whenever you start to go and turn toward folly, your soul will begin to get restless. And it will start to affect other areas of your life. Right? So be at peace with God. Be at peace with others. And learn to be at peace with your own soul by walking in wisdom and in understanding. Hallelujah. All right. Let's take this time. Let's close our eyes. I just want to pray for a few people that may be struggling with insomnia. You're either struggling with insomnia or you're getting attacked in your dreams. It's a lot of fear. Maybe there's a incubus or succubus attacks that you've experienced. And you just thought you couldn't do anything about it. 
And that's what the devil tells you. You're helpless. You can't change it. Right? But the voice of the Lord is saying that pattern needs to completely stop. I don't want you to continue to accept and allow that pattern over your sleep life. Brothers and sisters, the more we redeem our sleep, the more effective we will be for His kingdom when we're awake. The more we are attentive to God, not only when we are awake, but when we are even asleep. If we're attentive to God's revelations, whether we're, we're awake or asleep, we're just giving, that's when we're giving all our life to the Lord. That's when He is the Lord over all aspects of our life. Sleep is an area that we as the body of Christ, we need to take back. Right? Take back. You know, the, in American communities, they have take back the night or take back the community where they gather together the community leaders and they start marching through the streets and they start trying to get all the drug dealers off the streets and they get all the, uh, the prostitutes off the streets. But, you know, as Christians, we need to take back the night. Just because there's evil things happening in the dark does not mean that we need to forfeit and give the dark uh, over to the devil. We as the body of Christ, we need to redeem both day and night onto the Lord. And one aspect of redemption, doing, doing that redemption is, is to honor and worship God through getting good sleep. Taking steps to be at peace with God, with others, and with your own soul. So that you can have sweet sleep. If you're in here and you've been struggling, I want you to stand to your feet. And I'm just going to pray for you. Just pray for you that God will intervene. He would invade. And He'll begin to give you sweet rest. Your, own, your personality will change as you get good sweet rest. Your physical body will begin to improve as you get good sweet rest. Hallelujah. Put your hand on your heart if you want to be included in this prayer. I just want to pray for you. Father, I just pray for every person standing right now. Hallelujah. Lord, you are the God who gives us perfect peace. And Father, where some of these who are standing right now they are lacking peace when they sleep or they have been unable to get good rest they have been turning in their beds frustrated why they can't get good rest I pray right now that you will begin to make clear to them roots certain steps that they can take so that, Lord, that the source of that insomnia will be rooted out. And that they will begin to lay down each night in sweet, sweet peace. I pray, Father, Lord, right now for each person standing. And in the name of Jesus, I pray for the grace of God to be released. And that the work of the devil be completely broken over their lives. In the area of insomnia and sleeplessness. In the area of uh, terror and fear in their dreams. Right now. I overturn that work and I'll overthrow that work in the name of Jesus. And I establish, I establish them in good, peaceful, sweet sleep. 
day in and day out. God, I pray you would invade them, Lord, and begin to bless them with the safety of your covering. If people have been kind of walking independently, Lord, bring them in under, under the safety of your wings. As the psalmist said, Though an army besiege me, even then will I be confident. I pray that we as your people, God, even when there are, there's war that breaks out around us, pestilence and disease even breaks out around us, we will not lose our peace because our peace is not in the circumstances of the world, but our peace is in Jesus Christ. And so, Father God, I pray for that deep, deep peace, perfect peace to be established in those who are standing right now and that they would enjoy good rest and worship you each day by just going to sleep and saying, God, I thank you that you love me and that you're going to take good care of me and I'm not going to lose my job. I'm not going to lose my relationships. I can just go to sleep now. And when I wake up, you are still there. When I wake up, I will wake up to breakthroughs. When I wake up, I will wake up to answer prayers. I will go to sleep and you, oh God, will be faithful to do your work in my life. Pray that that will be the experience of the saints, Lord. Thank you, Father. I bless each person. In Jesus' name, amen.